you. May we pray. Father, we thank you for today. We pray that you speak to all of us, transform our lives. And Lord, let your will be done in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm speaking on the subject, Advancing God's Kingdom Through a Godly Home. Advancing God's Kingdom Through a Godly Home. This subject was given to me by Pastor Whitcomb a few weeks ago, um, the pastor of Agape House Church. And um, I had to speak on this subject for four, on four occasions, from the Saturday night through the Sunday. And every time I spoke about this, I myself got more convicted. And I just thought to myself, my own people also need to enjoy this before I close the chapter there. Amen. So I want to share with you what God has placed on my heart through um, the pastor, what he asked me to speak about, which I have spoken already, and I want to share with you this subject. Now, when he gave me the subject, I honestly asked myself, am I the right person to talk about this? Because I, biologically or naturally, I didn't see myself as somebody qualified, because I was not raised in what you call a normal mommy, daddy, kids home. Hallelujah. So, I'm one of those who are in the majority who came to this world by human default, by, by divine arrangement. Amen. I know there are some of you like that. Do I have a witness here? Oh, are there many people like that here? And it looks as if we are more than even those, those who are mommy, daddy, children. You know, you know what I mean? Where you are, your mommy and daddy, they have had a wedding and they are after nine months or ten months or one year, they expect a baby and you have come. Welcome. We do we have come. <laughs> That's how the world is. It's full of a mixture. And I've surveyed and I've found out that about, in many places I've asked, out of every ten people I see these days, it's about six or seven are like me. So I'm, I'm really, we are in the majority. But it's not a good thing though. But that is the reality that we, this world is talking about. Amen. And as we talk about godly families, I was speaking about godly families, I was also realizing that there are more single parents than mommy and daddy home. So sometimes when we talk about this, as soon as you are like a single parent, oh, this one is not for me. But you are also in it. You are a mommy and you are a daddy in the spirit. Amen. So don't rule yourself out. Whatever God has to say for godly homes, you are a player. You are a part player. Hallelujah. Then the Lord spoke to me about those who say, oh, but we also don't have kids. I've been waiting. I don't have. And the Lord gave me Isaiah 54. He said, more are the children of those that are barren than those that even bear fruit. So this message is for every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Tell your neighbor, this message is for you. Amen. So, the Lord opened my eyes to see the relationship between family life or godly family life 
and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's why I chose me because apart from the fact that I came by default, I was raised in a very polygamous, traditional polygamous home. When I say polygamous, I mean I mean polygamous. Because I've lived in many, many of our family homes. My wife would confirm to you that many men find it very normal or found it very normal to rotate. I've seen two weeks, two weeks. You know what it is. They have tents. The women come. You see them come at 6 p.m. and they leave in the morning at 6 a.m. That was how I was raised up. So many of my relatives, my cousins, many of my siblings and others, before they get to 18 or 20, they've already had two or three kids before they even think about marriage. Because it's normal. That is my background. So I don't think that I'm the best person. And I've not been married for 15 years. I remember years ago when I wrote my book on succession, Keys to Successful Succession, one bishop was sitting in front of Archbishop Duncan Williams and he told him, that, No, you are too young to write this book. You should say that somebody else wrote it and then so and so and so, so forth. Then Archbishop said, No, this is not right. Hallelujah. So sometimes when you look at yourself and the subject that God puts on your heart is too heavy for you to talk about God because I'm not a grandfather. I don't know what it is because you don't know what will happen to your children and children's children for you to talk about it. But God gave me the message. So I want to share with you. Paul was not married. Ever. The scripture says he became an enough for the kingdom's sake. But God gave him a message. And the message that God gave him is what is instructing the church today. About marriages. Amen. Our Lord Jesus didn't marry. But the Lord, he himself has laid down how life has to be. When it comes to family life. Amen. I discovered from the scriptures that God has certain symbols or certain institutions He uses to represent His kingdom here on earth. One of the, thing, the, the symbols is a symbol of the family. Hallelujah. The of the farm this is um, the vine here are the branches the, the power of the sower is a symbol of God's message and relationship with humanity and any of these symbols even the economy the parable of the talents business many times these symbols the enemy has sought to distort these symbols in a way as to distort the relationship between God and his creation. And the one that has been most attacked is the symbol of the family. Because that's why we went, when the disciples went to Jesus to learn how to pray, he said, say our father. Which means that the relationship between God and us Humanity, in terms of family, is very significant in the sight of God. Say Amen. And because of that, from the garden, you see Satan trying to distort it. Do you realize that even in the temptation, there was, a, 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 there was a, 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 an attempt 
to usurp divine structure and authority. When the instruction for the maintenance of the garden and the upkeep of the garden of Eden was given, who was it given to? Who was it given to? But when the serpent came to find out what God has said, who did the serpent ask? Don't you see it's strange? And Eve was not the custodian or the covenant person with God. It is Adam who was giving the express instructions. She was a second, more or less a beneficiary of the covenant. She was not a primary covenant keeper with God. But somehow, I believe that the enemy managed to use the thing about usurpation to get Eve to answer the questions. She could have said, pass. When the rightful person who should come and answer comes, he will answer. But Eve didn't do that. So you see from the garden that there was a distortion of the relationship, the divine structure that God put in place for the family. And we must watch this even in our marriages. We haven't reached there yet, but I want to signal this now. So the family is the model of Christ and His church. We have brothers, we have sisters, we have parents, we have children in the kingdom. And you see that in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, the chapter we read. How is this related to the kingdom? When we say kingdom, we are talking about a reign, authority, domain, realm, dominion, where God rules as king. Or where God's word has power. The scripture says, wherever the word of the king is, there is power. So any place, a home, or a nation, or a society, where God and His word is respected, is an extension of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So when we talk about advancing the kingdom of God through godly families, we are talking about Godly families being a model for people to look at and say, I allow God to rule in my territory. Businesses to say, because of this godly family model I have seen about this brother and his wife and their children and everybody, including the servants, because in the biblical sense, household is not only mother, father and children. Amen. That is why Apostle Paul in talking to Ephesians talked about servants. Every member of the household is part of the household. When you read the story of Abraham and his household, the Bible talked about it and said that when Abraham was about to die, he was afraid. He said, Will this Eliezer of Damascus take over my assets? Because Eliezer was technically a part of the household of Father Abraham. Say Amen. So, when we talk about godly households, we are not talking about the traditional English uh, expression of mommy, daddy, and children. We are talking about kingdom perspective. Amen. 
Now, when we also talk about the, uh, that the kingdom of God does not have wheels that you can see. But when you say it's advancing, we are talking about three very critical things. Number one, we are talking about advancement in scope. Advancement in scope. In other words, the influence of God in dimensions of human existence, geographical dimensions of space, cultural dimensions. So when the gospel comes to a community, whether it's Africa, Asia, Pacific, Atlantic, wherever, the kingdom of God is not European matter. It's not a white man issue. It's about God's principles issue. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you are marrying, and people say, oh, you are marrying uh, this white man's tradition. It's not white man's tradition because the underpinnings of traditional African marriage allows for polygamy. But when you marry the biblical way, in the New Testament order, there is monogamy. Hallelujah. So, the scripture says that each man, if you want to marry, must, you must have your own wife. And each woman must have her own husband. Amen. The thought, the culture, the social economic barriers, when the kingdom is manifesting, it crosses all those dimensions. So we cannot say that godly family only applies in rich homes or people that are endowed or people who have been to school. Having a godly family is not about education. It's not about degrees. It's not about how many qualifications, how many... Uh, you can't say it's for poor people, it's for rich people. That is why, because see, read the book of Ephesians, you see that Christ has broken down the middle wall of partition, And we have all nations, all peoples of the earth have in Christ Jesus been made one. So cultural barriers have been broken. There is neither Greek, there is neither Jew. So educational barriers, social barriers, economic barriers, limitations that human beings put in our way don't matter when we're talking about kingdom of God. Amen. Another dimension of the kingdom is impact. When we talk about impact, we're talking about generational sustenance in spite of odds. So when we say families are standing, godly families are standing, we can't say that, oh, when you are in Europe, the family values change. When you are in America, it changes, or you come to Africa, it changes. No. They still have to be godly. Whether you are in Europe or Asia, the impact, and also in terms of generation. The Bible talks about Timothy. They said, the godly grandmother that you have, and the mother who was also godly, that same godliness, you, Timothy, continue. Three generations of godly, godly family. When the scripture talks about Second Timothy 2.2, he says that the things that we have studied, we have heard from many, many, among many witnesses, he says, commit to faithful men who will teach others. What generations of godliness? You, Timothy, I, Paul, you have heard from me. Timothy, to witnesses who will teach others also. Four generations. So the kingdom of God is generational in terms of impact. It's not just, oh, me, I'll be godly. When I die, what happens to my children and my children's children? Well, that's their own cup of tea. It's not like that. 
And the impact of our godly families must transcend to other generations. Say Amen. If God, by the grace of God, as we live before if Christ tarries, our children and children's children, to show that our godly family is like Abraham, God said about him, I know you teach your children. It shouldn't be that when it gets to the next generation, then some will say, oh, we, we don't value, we have we become lesbian, we have become gay, we have become so so and so. No. Or we have a different value system, which is different from that which the fathers and the mothers are taught. It's, 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 it's not something that should happen. And we pray that God will help us from that. Say Amen. The last dimension of the kingdom when it's making impact or moving is that the kingdom gains victory. We gain victory over the end. We know that the forces of darkness are there. So the godly families, when they are encompassed by the wars, some of us, we all have ancestral issues that war against us. Like I've given you my, my own case, scenario. And you, you also may have your own. But whatever it is, the scripture says, if the enemies shall come against you, like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift a standard against him. Say, Amen. Jesus said in John 14, verse 30, He said, Now the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. Amen. So, it could happen that in, your, in the generation before you, in your father's time, in your mother's time, in, 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 in our, our time, our fathers and our mothers, because of that, they suffered certain things. They, they went through, they kept away from God. But today, now is our time. Now is our time. And the scripture said, God in Ezekiel 18, He said, I am tired of this proverb. When you say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's feet are set on edge. The soul that sins shall die. So if I, my father was into, into idolatry and he had issues with God, because I have come into the blood covenant of Jesus, in Jesus' name, I need to stand my ground. They will go and try to come again, but I still have to stand my ground. You also need to stand your ground. Because they don't just go and go. Jesus taught us that the unclean spirit goes and he goes to look for peace. He doesn't get, he comes to where he used to be. Amen. So, we need the kingdom to move in scope, in impact, and also in victory. Say amen. Now, what are the major features of a godly home? You know, when we were much younger, we are still young, but when we were much younger, amen. You go to many homes and you find Christ is the head of this house. Don't sing guests at every meal. The silent listener to every conversation. And you see many people in those days, they will have a crucifix in front of their house. When we used to, when we go into boarding school, we go to um, a, a, a spiritualist who will say, we thought he was a pastor, we thought he was a prophet. And they'll, they'll give you calico with red cross, black cross, and uh, Florida water, and olive oil. And you have a, back, a bucket. And you don't give your bucket to anybody in the school because it's sanctified. That is the way we, we thought that represented the presence of God. But we didn't know that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship his spirit in truth. 
We were lost. Today we know. Amen. So, godly home is not having a nice pictures of Jesus. The Italian Jesus or the Greek Jesus or the, uh, uh, the, the Phoenician Jesus. Now we have the black Jesus. Whichever color you have, it's not about having, that's not what represents a godly home. Going to Jerusalem is good. It can inspire you to love the Lord and to serve the King, the, the king of Kings. But if you can have salt from, from the, the, the Dead Sea as a symbol that you have been there. And you can pray with a prayer cloth. But that doesn't give you a godly home. Hallelujah. It doesn't give us a godly home. The scripture said in Corinthians, verse Corinthians 3, talks about 11. It says, No other foundation can any man lay except that which is of Christ. Now, we're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's not mentioning his name in prayer. That you say the Lord's prayer, then you add in Jesus' name. So, number one, a godly home is a home in which Christ makes the final decisions. The first, he is first and foremost. If we have money, if we have to go do anything, where is Christ? If we are about to embark on any project, where is Christ? What would Christ say? What would Jesus say? Where is Jesus? Where people, members of the home, individually have a covenant with Jesus. From the father to the mother to the children to the servants to anybody who is residing. They have made a covenant with Jesus. They have an opportunity to serve Jesus. And they commit to that cause. It's not just people who go to a particular denomination. So go, uh, you, the whole family coming to CLCC doesn't give you a family a godly home. It can help you. It can facilitate it. But it's not a godly home. Your godly home is not defined by the denomination. Maybe because, oh, I used to be social and social denomination. Now I'm in a Pentecostal church. Or a charismatic church. Or I'm in social and social church. My pastor is good. So I'm in a godly home. It's not like that. Or my father, my pastor gave me holy water. And I used it to pray with the children every day. So I'm in a godly home. It's not like that. It's the relationship. God is a spirit. And they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Say amen. It's a decision. Individuals realize, I am a sinner. Lord, save me. And the members of the household, no! And accept this message. That's a godly home. A godly home has godly structure. There's something called a godly structure. The father knows that he is a prophet, priest, and king. Those of us who have relegated our roles as fathers and have allowed our wives to be the prophetess, the queen, and king, we are in trouble. So, my wife can pray for her. My wife, that's why I like her. She prays. That's why I like You are missing it. The scripture said, Abraham, when he was confronted by Abimelech, you remember, said, leave that man for he is a priest. He's a prophet. So the man, the scripture says, the priest, his man, Malachi 2.7, must be full of the knowledge of God. 
You say you are the man in the house. How many scriptures do you know about salvation? Let's not go far. Let's not go assurance. Let's deal with salvation. How many scriptures have you taught your wife or your children that makes them confident that they can face life? You yourself, what, what do you know as a man of God? As a, not a pastor, but just being the priest. Because the scripture says, the mouth of the priest must be full of knowledge. Malachi to them. What knowledge? You know about politics. You know about business. You know about relationships. You know about sports. You know about everything. You know even about church situations and dynamics. But what do you know about the knowledge of God? Do you have about God? Amen. The man, according to Godly structure, is a prophet. Do you, do you know, God said in the book of Amos, says, the Lord your God, he will do nothing except he tells his servant the prophet. Chapter 3, verse 7. You are in the house and you are sleeping and things are happening around you, around your wife, around your children. Where is the Holy Spirit in your life? Did your Lord speak to you about them? Has he explained things to you? God said of Abraham, I cannot hide this thing from him, knowing that he will teach his children, his household, after me. If God is about to embark on an assignment in your household, who will he consult? Your wife or your son or your daughter? You believe the dreams and the revelations of your daughter or your son more than yourself and your connection with God. The scripture said, a man, we celebrating men's week, we started already. We are talking about legacy. We are in it already. Oh, good. It's part of the legacy. A man is a prophet, priest, and king. Not king to lord over, a servant king. Don't you know your husband? Don't you know I have to? That's what, that's what the kingship we are talking about here. Like Jesus the King, Christ the King, not the church. Christ the a humble one, supportive, world leader, not running away from trouble. You read the stories of David, you see, kings, I said, at the time that kings had to go to war, kings lead war. Trouble is coming and you're running away for the woman, for the children. Christ your kingship. Women, queens, they are royals. They are managers, according to uh, 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 Proverbs 31. Not to be just spending, managed. Not just bring bills, managed. Frugality, wisdom, Abigailism. Everything your husband does, whether it's correct or wrong, you support. Because solidarity. No. Be an Abigail. A woman is a person that God in the structure is the chief counselor to the king. Chief advisor. And not to, uh, 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 like I keep saying, Margaret Thatcher said, advisors advise, but ministers make decisions. So sometimes some of your advice may not be taken. It doesn't mean that you are useless. You just have to know your role. You have to give advice and pray. He may take, he may not take. Don't 
go up in emotional tantrums because your advice is not taken. No. Advisors advice. But ministers make decisions. Pray that your husband will be a good minister and make good decisions. Say amen. Godly structure. The woman is a teacher. She's industrious, according to Proverbs 20, uh, 31, from 10 to 31. Godly values is part of the structure of a godly home. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 23. But beyond that, we're talking about family values. Every family has its values. Like the royal family. Have you seen any of them with tattoos all over them? Have you seen, have you seen of them, any of them bring a woman who has tattoos all over? When you read the way they marry, you see the process. He said, Harry has taken the lady for breakfast with the queen. Before you get to the point where you have breakfast, it means that he has advanced. He could play around. The guy was into drugs, misbehaving, or party. That was, that was, as they say in modern times, then yes. Then yes. But when you decide that you want to marry as a royal, they will take you out. Just like when my, my people in Asante. You can't just, they know those who have, you can't just come and just wake well. No, 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 it's not like that. Look, when this Otunfo was being prepared, they took him to Domainkru. I, I said Domainkru, uh, what do you call it? Sechimio. Um, uh, Stay in the palace on holidays and understudy the teeth. Stay there and they hide them. The one who died before him, Opokua, is similar. Make sure that whatever they can do, Prince Charles, they took him to Cambridge, private teacher. Private teacher. He finished Cambridge with the private teacher. Private teacher. No, yeah, yeah, I said, no, no, no. There is a structure because there are etiquettes of the kingdom. And, you see, we are having all these problems in homes because people don't understand that they belong to a godly home. There are things people in the street can do. There are dressing, there is a style, and there is a language, and there is a movement, and there are associations, and groups people out there can join. But you, being in a godly home, you are not authorized or allowed because you are a kingdom person. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Amen. This libertine idea that, oh, Christ, we are free, we can do what we do. It's not like that. If you want to be Respected for being in a, god, a godly home. Look, look, when you go to Ascot in England, when they are having the royal racing, the topmost racing event, there are two of them. There's Ascot, where they show off all the things. There is a dress code. You can't dress like this to Ascot. You'll be sitting in a train in London, and, 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 and the afternoon, everybody is wearing tailcoats, and they go and rent Cats, hats, and other things, and they have their ladies, and there's a way of walking to Ascot to show off in Ascot because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pattern. If you don't belong, you don't belong. The renter around that time alone skyrocket for tailcoat and for, for double breasted suit. No, 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 no. Very expensive because. It's reserved for a particular occasion. Say amen. We have developed ourselves as if we don't have values. There is something called 
godly culture. The way we talk. The way we relate to one another. The way we, we, we dress. The way we, we communicate. In many ways, we are not like the people of the world. And if you are a kingdom child, kingdom husband, kingdom wife, we must all cultivate the culture of the kingdom. There are values. Say amen. Godly aspirations and purpose is part of the kingdom. Godly kingdom, a godly family. Many, today, many marriages don't last because there is always competing aspirations. The man wants to build an empire on his own and neglect the family. The woman also wants to outdo, especially those who live abroad. Sometimes people are building in their villages, their husbands are not aware. Because they want to prove that, means when I went to America or Germany, I have done something in my hometown. The aspiration is wrong. People marry, and the, the, instead of agreeing that A should go and have a master's or professional degree, for, everybody wants to finish all their learning quickly so that they will get any more money. I don't want to be dependent on a man. I want to be on my own quickly. So as they are married, the first thing they are thinking, as I told you before I got married, I wanted to finish my, my PhD and my master's and my days so they will be arguing. And because of that, they, some are preserving their money, some are giving in their money. We preserve money so that you will finish. And now it's my time for you to help me. You are using it to build. You hear that all the time. Because the aspirations are wrong. Somebody, hey, will you touch my mother? Eh? You can touch anything but my mother. Or my father. Or my uncle. As for this, my senior brother. He raised me up. So, so, and so. He, he did this for me. Or he did that for me. So that one, I jealously got. Don't go there. Don't go there. Different aspirations. Godly aspirations lead to godly families. That is agreement based on what divinely has been inspired. Hallelujah. We talk about godly exercises like devotion, which is what many people think makes godly family. Godly family is not having morning devotion every day or every week or whatever. It's one of the things that can help you, but it doesn't. It must yield transformation. It must translate into life. That are closer to Jesus. Say amen. Like coming to church, prayer, Bible study, fasting, giving and sharing. It's a godly exercise. Sharing. Offerings, sharing with poor people, people that are in need. But last but not the least is godly warfare. Paul told Timothy, that thou mightest war a godly warfare. Now, we all have to deal with our roots, especially as Africans. We can't rule that out. There are things that are always militating against us. The Europeans and the Americans and others, they also have their own. But we too, we have our own heart. It's not easy. So, unless we agree as a family that we must deal with the roots, it can create problems for us. So, Paul told Timothy, that thou mightest war a godly warfare. Now, before we pray or end up this session, I want to hint you on a few red flags that can disturb your godly family. There are traditional red flags that we are taught, which is when there is sin in the family, it can create problems. When there is money issues, it can create problems. When there, are bad, there is bad communication, it can create problems. When roles are Exchange like Jezebel trying to take over Ahab and all of that, it can create problems. 
But let me tell you this. In the modern day families, I told, I was led by the Spirit to tell my, my friends on the other side to watch three things. And for us here, there's one or two things I would like to add. Number one is technology. If you are, we are not careful, technology will spoil our marriages and our homes. It's good. Technology is good. It advances things. Things move fast. Business moves fast. But we are losing contact. We can see a family of five or six sitting. They may be watching TV together or being together. And four of them, everybody is challenging, looking at, listening to, watching messages or watching a video. And we are not talking to each other. Couples, we are suffering. This, WhatsApp and their brothers, they are good. But if we don't watch it, it's destroying our direct communication, our direct relationships. Look, look at what is happening on the campuses. People take videos of their relationships and they do all, spread it, just blackmail. People record their spouses in conversations or in other areas and then use it against them. Technology. Hey, it's good, but we need to be careful. It's damaging a lot of relationships. Blackmailing people, blackmailing spouses. Creating problems. Personal leisure. Today people love themselves. In the last days, the scripture says, Second Timothy 3, 4, men will be lovers of pleasure, of themselves and of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Convenience. Everybody likes convenience is this. Nobody is willing to sacrifice. And because of that, means, your own child, if you want them to bring you water from the fridge, you are not careful, you have to pay in certain homes. Yes. Oh, mommy, I'm busy on your phone with my friend. Oh, oh, daddy, I'm watching this movie. Ah, the way they preach, I can't come now. It's breaking down the order. Who, who uh, as uh, president, who born you? Who born you? When, when, when our fathers and uncles and others just, they, 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 they oh, yes, Baba. Oh, baby, Today, you can call the name of the child, ah, she will be in the room, or he'll be in the room. And they are just watching. They are just having leisure. And it's like you are a nuisance. Oh, how Is that true or is not true? Parents, is that true or is not true? Young people, is that true or is not true? You see people whose parents have sacrificed to pay their fees. And when they go and they, they have to now pay back and support, they bring one bill. To, oh, mommy, this time, look at it. My money, I'm trying, I've joined a certain Susu group. And the way it is, it is my turn very soon. I can't give even 20 of it, please, this one. You later, I will talk about it. It's a new, it's a new phenomenon. Selfishness. People love themselves. They're not willing to give anything to any, And even with couples, the same. Husbands, wives. Personal laser. Personal rights. I know my rights. This is not part of the original deal. I didn't marry him for this. I'm coming to the young ladies. And I'm coming to the young men. I didn't marry for this. Have you heard that before? This is not what I bargained for. If I knew that this is what marriage is about, I wouldn't even have entered. Because there, I, my rights are being curtailed. I want to feel free. Free, free, free. free for what? Free for what? You want to feel free to misbehave or free, freedom to do what? 
all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. Say amen. Now, let me conclude by these two for us here. One of the things that can hurt us is familiarity. In many homes. You know, because of the way we are raising our children and the husbands and so, there's more communication, there's more openness now. So if you are not careful, that, you see, maybe we have moved from the old star chauvinistic male control system to another extreme. Where children are now controlling their parents. Where wives are now controlling their husbands. We need to get the balance right. Get it right. Become so familiar. Children can talk to their parents anyhow. Talk back. Give and take. To, when you go to a place like parliament in the house. And then the mother will take the side of the children. Eh, but you see, daddy, that what you are even thinking is not right. It's actually, the children are right. Listen to them. That when you lose two arguments, you can't raise it before parliament again. Hallelujah. And that's what happened. So many fathers have been muted. Because we have become familiar. We can hug our children. We can play. Where I was going? Who is? I got came many times for disturbing outside the hall because visitors have come. And I said, "Twenty-four hall." Now you are here TV. Now what the hall? Crossing you, time. That's what they used to say to me. They used to say to us, "What are Canada?" Now I have a penny at the hall. Now tonight they are Hey, God. Hey, hey! That day, you, your your lunch is in trouble. Of I am a Can you place your car? I'm going to need to do it. What you mean? Open up at the TTM. Can you come on? Then you suffer. You are coming to 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 eavesdrop on older people's conversation. No, no, no! Can you? These days, your father or your mother are talking on the phone. They are there, and the child is in the middle. Get, 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 and copy and Cindy and they, they get care of and Bishop Mode say, stop uh, Bishop uh, Saki say, stop it, stop it, stop it. Not tip way, not tip way. Instead of paying, you say not tip way, not tip way. Lord, thank God for you and they've helped a lot of people. Amen. But on a more serious note, let us let, listen to this. Listen to this. Unforgiveness is killing many relationships. This morning, Pastor Ben Paul spoke about it. Unforgiveness. We don't, many of us don't know how to let go. I'm pleading with you. Husbands, wives, children, helpers, tenants, co-tenants, whatever relationship you have with people, let mercy flow like a river from your heart. As Christ has forgiven us, may we also forgive others. As we bow in prayer. Think about these things. And let the word of God work in your life. You want a godly home? Godly home is, help, is created with the help of God. Pray that God will give you a godly home. Maybe you didn't get it when you were growing up. But you can desire for it. For yourself. For your children. For your children's children. It will happen. Pray like Abraham. Oh, bless my ancestry. Make it. Maybe things went wrong. What has been eaten by the locusts, the caterpillar, the cankerworm, is gone.
But Lord, not in the generations after me. I pray for my children. I pray for my daughters. I pray for my son. I pray for my, my, the, the ones that are coming after me. Transform. Give me a godly heritage. So that I don't, well, many years to come, I will not be sad looking back. Whether you are alive or not, we don't live for only today. We live for tomorrow. That God will be honored when we enter into his presence one day. Say, ah, you left a godly heritage through the family. At least that family is still representing my kingdom on earth. And for that one, welcome into my kingdom. You might have missed it. Maybe your parents gave you birth to you out of wedlock. Things didn't go the way you expected. But now you can change your destiny. You can change it. Things can change. You made some mistakes about a husband. You made some mistakes about a wife. You made some mistakes about even having children outside wedlock. And today you are paying the consequence. But ask God for mercy and say, Lord, heal my roots. Change my destiny. For the Lord we serve is a destiny changer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help your church. Restore unto us what has been stolen. Establish your church. Establish us with godly hopes. In Jesus' name, Amen.